Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Classroom 2.0 Live session today, and we're so glad that you joined us. I'm Kim Case, and I'm pleased to co-host today with Peggy George and Lorna Constantini. Lorna won't be with us today. She had a family commitment. But today we're going to be talking about learning through real alternate reality gaming. And we have a very special returning guest, Chris Bigginhoe. Each week at the same time, we gather to discuss the ways to use technology tools in the classroom. Our broadcast consists of a one-hour session that is recorded. The link to the full video, audio recording, and chat log will be posted to our classroom live site at live.classroom20.com. The topic each week is posted on our classroom live site so that you can be prepared with links or ideas and tools that you'd like to share and a newbie question of the week that you might want to bring some ideas and answers to share on our next session. Before we begin, I want to review some of the features of Illuminate that we'll be using today. During today's sessions, we'll be asking some poll questions. To cast your vote, you'll use the green check mark and the red X that are next to the blue door just below the participant window. You won't click or mark anything on the whiteboard at that time. To the left um, of that, just below the participant window, is a hand with a little green arrow. If you'd like to ask a question or share something during the session, please raise your hand and then you'll be given the ability to use your microphone to speak. Next to that hand are two emoticons, the applause symbol and a thumbs down symbol. And on the very far right of that is a blue door. And if you need to step away from your com computer, please click on the blue door. And then we'll know that you're not available at that time. Below those symbols is the chat window. And if you'd like to send a message to the room or to a specific person or to the moderators, you would click the send button. To send a message to this room, make sure the words this room are visible. And if you wanted to send it to a specific person or the moderators, you would use the drop down arrow to make your selection. And remember, moderators are able to see all private messages throughout the session. So you might want to keep that in mind when you're sending your messages. In the very bottom left is the microphone button that you click on to activate your mic. When you're finished speaking, be sure to click the microphone button to deactivate your microphone. If you can't see all of the chat or the whiteboard, or you'd like to re-slice the different windows, you can change the session layout. You can click on View in the top menu. The layout is sometimes locked by default, so you may need to click on Layout Lock to unlock it. And then you can select the desired layout as shown on the right, or drag the individual windows to resize them to fit your screen or your preferences. We also are very privileged to have Tammy Moore providing closed captioning features for us. If you are, um, have a friend who is hearing impaired or you are hearing impaired, you will be able to join us and to view the closed captioning text, you just click on the blue CC in the menu bar and then you'll be able to see the text that Tammy's 
typing for us. And we're very appreciative that Tammy um, does this for us each week. And so please let your colleagues know if they are hearing impaired that they will be able to uh, participate during the live session or view the recording, the, the closed captioning text at that time too. In a moment, we're going to be using the laser pointer tool to, I know my dog is barking, I apologize. Um, we're going to be using the laser pointer tool to indicate our location on the map. And the laser pointer tool um, is the wand with the blue wand with the little red sunburst dial. So if everybody would click on that laser pointer tool and then indicate your location on the world map. Sometimes the little starburst goes to the right a bit, so you may need to drag it to the left, or vice versa, and indicate your location throughout the world. And we're seeing some in southern uh, Australia. We see in Asia, so shambles must be here. Lots of it in the United States, in southern America. And we're so grateful that you have joined us today. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Let me go ahead and we're going to go on to the polling questions. And again, you're going to use the green check or the red X that's right next to the blue door just below the participant window. You only saw your dot. Okay. I'm not sure what happened. But um, we're going to move on. Never had that experience. But I can check into that and see what the deal was. Okay. Um, the first polling question is, are you familiar with the term alternate gaming reality? If you know what that is and you're familiar with that term, please click the green check. If you're not familiar with that term, click the red X. If you are familiar with alternate gaming reality, Go ahead and click the green check, if not the red X, and let me go ahead and get those results. Okay, and it looks like 50% of the group are not familiar and about 34% are. So after this session, um, we're all going to be familiar with alternate gaming reality. And I think you're going to be very pleased and find this a very innovative strategy to use with students. Oops, went too far. Okay, the second polling question is, have you used alternate reality gaming with your students if, if you do know what it is? If you have, please click the green check. If you have not, click the red X. And I have a feeling this is going to be an overwhelming majority. Uh, 
Let me go ahead and if you have, click the green check. And if you have not, the red X. And I'll go ahead and get those results. And overwhelming majority, 74% have not used alternate reality gaming with students. And 12% in the group have used this with students. So that's an excellent percentage. That's a great start. And uh, we're going to go ahead and find out more about learning through reality gaming with Chris Bigginhoe, who is our special guest today. And we're going to find out what is alternate reality gaming and why do, would I want to use that in my classroom. And so, Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you. And if you could introduce yourself and then just go ahead and take it away. Chris, okay. welcome. Well, my thank name you is so much. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me here. My name uh, is, is Chris, and I am uh, the Director of Educational Technology at Green Hill School and also a doctoral student at the University of North Texas. And uh, I was turned on to alternate reality gaming as a learning environment uh, from one of my professors there, Dr. Scott Warren, and uh, credit him with, um, with really getting me going on this and understanding the, the background of this and the power of being able to uh, learn through alternate reality games. And so I've had the, um, the privilege of being able to teach a couple of courses that he's actually designed that are in a game environment. So that's kind of how I got started in this. And um, this is going to be a little bit different. Uh, this is participatory. It will require that you type some things, do some searching on the web. Uh, you may need to get to email, although if, if that's going to be uh, problematic, I, can, uh, I also have the text of some of the emails that you'll, you'll receive back from various players in the game. Why gameplay? Well, gameplay, uh, if you take a look at a, a well-designed computer game, uh, they often don't come with uh, real you know, thick instruction books. There are third-party books that will tell you how to play and the tricks and so forth. But the game is actually meant to teach itself. And uh, so that's one of the things about the games. They, they are, are uh, good teachers. They, they follow um, a lot of the teaching theories, uh, most specifically those of Vygotsky, the zone of proximal development, the idea of scaffolding. As you learn something in a game, the game is designed to teach you about the game. So um, that's, that's kind of one of the, the aspects about gameplay that, that doesn't seem to make it into the classroom as easily. When we think of games, we don't really think about what they're teaching. And we may not agree with what some of these games teach, but the uh, uh, you know, World of Warcraft is a, is a game out there that uh, many people um, are playing who have never been taught how to use the game, but they learn to play the game through gameplay. The other aspect of these, these scenario-based games are that they, they use the power of story, the power of narrative. And uh, that is something which um, drives the participants through the game. So the idea here is that I like to say that a, a good course, uh, a good lesson should be, should be like a good book. Uh, the students don't want to put it down. And so in this case, we're going to take um, games, uh, gameplay, and actually use it as a learning environment. ARGs. ARG actually has two uh, meanings to it, alternate reality games and augmented reality games. And the augmented reality we're not going to deal with today. That's generally going to be handheld devices with GPS units. 
um, that uh, will trigger events based on geospatial uh, position. And uh, uh, that's and, and those events are often websites that might be uh, uh, launched or audio recordings or video that might be played. Alternate reality, uh, oftentimes a, a, a augmented reality will utilize story in it as well. So the alternate reality games are where we're going to blend uh, fiction and fact over the top of each other. I like to say if we can take it's the confluence of fact and fiction coming together and we place the learning task in that, that, that mix where these two branches come together and uh, that's where the learning takes place. And if, ideally, if, if you understand Vygotsky's zone of proximal development, we really want to place the zone of proximal development right there in the center of that confluence. Um, so the students are engaged with the story. They're working with uh, real, real time, uh, real world issues. They're interacting with characters in the story. So how do you play one of these games? Well, you're going to have a bunch of clues, and you're all going to get a chance to play this game. And uh, I will be, will be playing a little bit faster today. Uh, I've never done this across the live across uh, the wires like this, so we'll see how this goes. Um, I may have to push forward a little bit just as, as I watch the time go by uh, and give out some extra clues as we go. But um, how you play these games, well, everything you see, everything you read, everything you hear is a clue. At the same time, everything you see and hear may be wrong, or hopefully not everything, but there will be some red herrings in there. So you need to track everything from names to codes to the sequence of events to websites. You may see things twice, but if you look closely, they may be different. Um, and that is all part of trying to determine what's out there. The idea is that in school, oftentimes, we give the students an assignment and we know exactly what the answers are. And uh, actually, if you, you want to take notes, it, it may be helpful to, uh, to take some notes along the way, although it would be best if you just type them right in the chat so that everybody sees your notes. One of the things about these games is they are usually collaborative. Um, they're played uh, over great distances. Uh, and uh, they utilize a lot of the Web 2.0 tools to, to do these. I can't really get into the history of this, although I have a lot of that in the resources uh, which you'll learn about later. So here you go. Oh my gosh, I, I, I have this presentation I'm supposed to do today, and I just can't believe what happened. Uh, I, I've got everything ready. I was, I was you know, at, at home, and, and here was this, this uh, knock at the door. And I went over to the door, and um, there was a note that had been put, put underneath the door. And I didn't, you know, hold on a second. We have some slides that are missing. All right, so there was a note that was put underneath the door, and uh, that, that note uh, was uh, telling me um, uh, that uh, something crazy had happened. And I ran across the room, and I took a look at, uh, at my, my computer, and this is what I saw. I saw this ball of fire, this ball of flame. And, uh, and I just didn't know what was going on with this. I thought, oh my gosh, what is happening? My screen began to melt away. And uh, so I, I, I went over and I grabbed the newspaper. I was looking at the newspaper. And the newspaper also said, again, there's a missing picture there. But uh, the newspaper said that um, this uh, was apparently this, this worldwide event. This is something that was much bigger than um, uh, 
bigger than uh, than just happening to me, and I I was just, I was I was floored. So I, I thought, well, I've got to do something about this. I took the note that I had and I ran down to my my friend Beatty, and I faxed it to her. And it's a good thing because as soon as I had faxed it, the uh, the the uh, email or that that particular message had just gone up in flames, and so it was must have been done on some flash paper. So the question I have is is I need some help. What are we going to do about this? And um, and we have <laughs> we have a problem here. Uh, let me see. I'm going to have to grab a, a uh, email here uh, and, and actually launch a, a web link. It looks like because the the newspaper article is not there. Can you read the text on some of this article? Okay. Well, in a moment, you're going to get a better chance to see this. Um, so we're going to kind of move the game forward a little bit. It's going to move faster, forward faster than, than I thought. But I'm going to go ahead and read some of this to you so you can see. The note that I received read like this that you would have seen. Um, actually, the, the note uh, was written in code. It was what you would have seen is all the letters are turned around, and it was kind of, kind of crazy uh, to see what was there. The uh, newspaper article reads as follows. And I'm going to go ahead and read this to you so that you can see it or hear it. A group calling themselves, it says, Headroom Strikes Again. That's the headline. Headroom Strikes Again. A group calling themselves AIR made their presence known to the world today by emulating the original November 22, 1987 act of piracy that shook Chicago broadcasters to their core. This internet version of the historical broadcast uh, moment seems to have been a coordinated attack on the movement of innovation and creativity in American education. Similar to the 1987 event, operatives from AIR managed to infiltrate the Internet from the fourth highest location in Chicago, bringing educational creativity um, to its knees. AIR's handiwork was first noticed this morning when notes from someone calling themselves Max uh, were discovered in area hotel rooms. While we do not know who M4X is, Local police and creative educators from around the, the nation are joining in the hunt. Those that have information or willing to help are encouraged to contact Didi with Creative Alliance for Games at Play. And then there's an email address there. And I see that uh, we've brought up the, uh, the URL, uh, the, the website that has that uh, newspaper on it. And so you can see that for yourself. So the question now is, what do we do? And this is where, uh, in, in the game parlance, I've created this, uh, uh, this backstory that kind of feeds uh, the, the, the game. And the, the, the players, or the learners in this case, are left with the question, what do they do? And rather than being told directly what, to be, what they should do, they have to figure this out themselves. So before we actually do anything, go ahead and just uh, write a few things that you noticed from that newspaper article or things that I had read. Was there a date involved? What do we do? That is the question. Okay, so we have 1987. We have November 22nd, all right? Um, was there an, a, a location that's something, the headroom, air? Uh, okay, we're getting some information here. There's a hack, all right? Oh, good. All right, people are pulling some things out. Um, was there a name of the organization? What was the name of the organization? Air. 
Do we know what AIR stands for? No, we don't know what AIR stands for. Okay, excellent. So we already have some information that we've gathered. The question is, do we as students know what to do? In other words, usually in, a, in this kind of game, you would present the task in this format where the students actually have to realize that they've just been given an assignment. Um, and uh, the next step is theirs. So what is it that we need to do? Didi. Yes, we need to email Didi. So if you have your email up right now, we can go ahead and email her. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull up what Didi says here just so that we have that. Um, but uh, so you know, Didi, I've, because this is meant to be done in a, in a workshop situation, I have agents set up to answer your emails. So uh, normally, uh, you would actually play the character of Didi. So your students will be interacting with the characters in the story. Uh, yes, we can go ahead and put that address up here. So here's the address. It's deex2yu at gmail.com. So go ahead and email Didi and uh, see what happens. See what you get. And uh, I'm going to give you a moment here and, uh, before I pop this up. Any other ideas as to what's going on? AIR, yes, that someone's already figured out that perhaps AIR is actually an acronym, A.I.R. So we've got to figure out what that is, um, figure out who, the, who these people are. All right, so here is, uh, if this is hard to read, you can actually make this a full screen uh, by changing your view. Um, so here is what uh, Didi writes back. And so if you've received your email from Didi, it should say something like this. Um, we thank you for agreeing to help with this educational crisis. AIR has created a chaos in schools throughout the country. We have established a plan of action that engages centers of creativity uh, to stop this decay in our schools and across the Internet. I understand that you saw the results of this group's work in creative presentations everywhere. At this time, we need to focus on stopping the advancement of AIR. AIR, and what they stand for. The following items are paramount to our success in this rescue. We need to learn everything we can about AIR and those behind this attack. We need a brief report that includes the location of their headquarters, who is leading AIR, what AIR stands for, connections with any past attacks, the specific location of the entry point to the Internet, and their plans for the future. We need to recover the information on uh, the creative learning environment known as ARG. This information was a portion of the information that was eliminated by AIR this morning. I found a collection of references uh, from what we know so far. It has what they know so far. I don't know how good these are, but a closer examination of these items may be useful. All right, then we have a website. And uh, after that, we have a, uh, it goes on and says, if you are successful and feel you have useful information, please send your report directly to Athena at Creative Recovery. And then again, we have an a, a email address there. We are glad to have you on board and hope you can help us restore the creative spirit to American education. Signed, Didi. So we now have a website that we need to take a look at. But before we take a look at that, what do we have here? We have... Um, in this case, uh, a call to action, don't we? Our first call to action was to email Didi. If the students found that, this is what they would receive. Now, actually, the assignment has been given to them. 
And uh, it's very specific. We, if you read the text, you can actually see the rubric. Right? Oh, we got some people who have their emails back from Didi. Yes, Didi is very busy right now. So references to Greek gods and all sorts of things. Yes, apparently there are some Greek gods in here. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. So if you all want to pop on over, actually I'm going to go ahead and launch this for you. Uh, we're going to go over to the uh, uh, Athena's WordPress here. Let's see if I can do this. And uh, let's take a look at this site. I'm going to give you some time to look around. You'll notice that there's a video there. Uh, you might want to start with a letter. You'll notice that there's a letter there. And remember, as you play these games, everything's a clue. There can be uh, things that aren't clues as well. So um, if you want to read the newspaper, if you want to uh, read the text, uh, try and figure out what that text says, um, I'm going to give you just a moment here to explore uh, the the, this particular site, you'll notice that there's uh, an About tab, there's a Films of Inspiration. So just take about two minutes just to flip through this, and everybody hopefully is looking at different things. And as you find things, just go ahead and type them in the box so we can all see what you've found. Yes, very much like 49 Clues series. All right, so we've noticed that uh, we have a code here. We've got letters that mean something, numbers, that, excuse me, that mean letters. Athena, American Instructional Reconstruction. Hmm, perhaps. All right. Normally in the in the face to face session, what I would do is I'd have someone read the actual letter. I'm going to read the letter to you so that you can see what air is saying. This is the letter that I received that burned up before, right after um, I had faxed this to Didi. It says today. Let it be known, today is the beginning of the end of innovation in education. The Alliance for Instructional Retro Deconstruction is now in charge. All educational innovation must be purified through fire. Through the internet, we unleashed the fires that will homogenize teaching and learning to a single format. Presentations of innovation will cease on this day. All power to the test. So now we know uh, a little bit more, don't we? Who is there? Who is there? Any guesses? Uh, if you look at the, the, look at the letter, we have re reconstruction. Is it reconstruction? Yes. So we have it up there. Jason has it earlier. Alliance for Instructional Retro Deconstruction. So there's there's air. Um, what else do we have? Ah, we have a cool rap on. Someone's listening to the rap on BioNation. Some students with creativity. That's going to go away if air has uh, has their ways about it. So those kind of things are, are gone. Darth Vader. <laughs> yes, it does sound a bit like Darth Vader, doesn't it? Um, all right, so what else do we know? Uh, it looks like you've, uh, have you seen the film? There's a film of the screen melting. Have you seen that? Okay, so obviously we've learned a few things already. Um, do we have, at this point, is there any place that we know that we can go? 
the screen melted right away. Yes, it did. Uh, is there anything that we can do right now? Is there any place to go? What's our next step? And this is, again, very much like real problem solving. Instead of the students always being told to go to an exact place, they need to kind of figure some things out on their own and not always being led there. So here they have to determine, yes, Linda's got it. There's a tiny URL there. Let's go check out that tiny URL and see what that's all about. And I'll go ahead and post that up here if someone doesn't beat me to it. Can't get to the tiny URL. Yeah, I'm getting uh, something with that too. Um, it's uh, http colon slash slash tinyurl.com. It's AL7AHJ. YouTube is down message. Got to love that. All right, so one of the things that you need to know about alternate reality games is that we like to say that reality plays. Um, I've done these uh, where I've taught these before. I don't know what, what the deal is with the YouTube being down. That's pretty funny. Um, but uh, getting a YouTube video, Shaft and Enlightenment, Unleashed on an Ed Creativity. Okay, it looks like somebody's got something going here. All right. What you're going to find, and I'm going to move you there a little bit faster, um, there's going to be a URL. How can we stop them? Yes, we need to stop them. Uh, we need to go ahead and see what this is all about. If you watch that video, it comes up. Oh, I see. We've got somebody who's got the video up there already uh, with the link that's not through Tiny. Go ahead and follow that link and uh, take a look at it. Make sure you watch it all the way to the end. You want to watch that all the way to the end. I'm giving you a heavy hint here so that uh, we have time to get to the end of this. Um, I'll let you watch it and see what you find. Ah, yes, we've already found it. Go to a, a WordPress site. So we're going to end up going to mxwordpress.com. We'll launch that for you guys. Oh, wow, what is this all about? What happened here? Take a quick look at this site. What do we know? Now, while you're looking this over and taking a look at it, let me talk a little bit about the alternate reality games and how this can be used in different places. The object of this game is actually to teach about the idea of teaching through alternate reality games. So I'm actually teaching you about alternate reality games with this. If, on the other hand, let's say you were teaching a music, uh, music appreciation class or, or a class where you're trying to deal with, you know, what is art? What is music? Uh, I don't know if, if you all know this or not, but Mozart actually maintains a MySpace page. You know, he lived back in the 1700s, but he still has a MySpace page out there, and he maintains this thing. And he can put his, his, his newest, his, his music up there. He can put his writings up there. And, uh, well, actually, you know, and, and Jimi Hendrix, well, you know, he's passed away as well, but Jimi Hendrix, well, he maintains, uh, you know, a, a blog site, and he also has uh, some podcasts up there. And so here we have this, this 
this situation where students, if you place this in a, in a story where you create a, a MySpace page for Mozart and put some real artifacts in there, some of his music, put in uh, some of his actual writings, letters, and uh, you can have an email address for Mozart. And students can then uh, email Mozart. They're given some tasks where they need to email Mozart. And guess what? To their surprise, they get email back from Mozart. But here's the trick. You are Mozart. You as a teacher are Mozart. And you write then in the style of Mozart. Okay, so he, he would have written in German, so you need to write in English. But uh, you go ahead and, and you take on these roles, these characters. And so if you can imagine a world where you could have Mozart and, uh, and Jimi Hendrix debate what is music. Uh, what makes music? Or perhaps you could have George Washington, uh, Abe Lincoln, and uh, Barack Obama all come together in a debate uh, about the state of the nation. So there are some things that you can do with this that are just really off the charts creative and, uh, and allow the students to interact in some very interesting ways. All right, so uh, we, let's move back on with the story. You'll notice that uh, we've reached the end of the internet here. And uh, we need to, um, uh, yes, web quests are much more structured. And, and unfortunately, life isn't so structured. And that is uh, um, the, the issue, is that we have uh, a situation where education is often teaching a structured situation where uh, problem solving usually has no boundaries. And, uh, and therefore, we need to move away from these. Uh, yes, Linda. OK, so um, you notice that there's a website there, this MAX headcase WordPress. So let's go check that out, because the end of the internet is not going to do us any good. So we're going to go ahead and go to that M, uh, do, go to the MAX headcase um, WordPress. So let me send you there. And let's let you explore this a little bit and see if we can learn anything else. Remember. Always keep your task in mind. As you're working on this, you want to keep your task in mind. Um, as students uh, and as the teacher, what is it that uh, everyone needs to learn? So here you are at maxheadcasewordpress.com. And what can we learn about Max Headcase from this site? Go ahead and take a look at this. Explore it. Yes, he has a, he's a tweeter. Well, someone want to check out his, his tweets? What does he say on his Twitter account? Yes, he is disturbed. Alliance for Instructional Retro Deconstruction. So we have confirmation of that. Excellent. What else do we have? Notice that he has his film of victory. Oh, yes, his account was suspended, suspicious activity. Now, there's a funny story behind this. I'm going to step out of uh, the, the teaching aspect of this for a moment of playing the game and just tell you, when I first put this uh, workshop together, I did it for uh, National Association of Independent Schools. And I created this. I was actually going to have uh, Max, uh, in this case, tweeting from the, uh, from the actual conference. And he was going to be getting closer and closer to the session. I was going to have a, a, a confederate there with me doing the tweeting. And so I set this up, put in a couple of tweets. And uh, actually, what happened was uh, the night before I was going to do this, I discovered that his account had been suspended for um, uh, have been suspended for the, the suspicious activity. So it became even better. Again, reality plays. Uh, and reality plays means that I ran with it. And uh, yeah, not, not, 
this is the organization that I did that with, is NAIS, National Association of Independent Schools. All right, so take a look now. So we know he's got this Twitter account, but it seems to be suspended. He's got films of victory. Maybe take a look at his gallery of inspiration or the About page. Take a look, see what you can learn. Go ahead and type what you know up in the uh, shifty character. Is there, are there any facts that we have here? See if you can find any facts about uh, Air, about Max. Who is Max? We need to know who this, this M4X guy is. Dihydrogen monoxide, yes. Apparently, Live Class uses the site as well. It, it's a wonderful site. Max Headroom. All right, what about Max Headroom? What do we, uh, is there some connection here to Max Headroom? Ah, we've got a connection now to the November 22nd. Ah, we're starting to pull this together. November 22nd, who broadcast was hijacked. Now, wasn't there a connection back to, um, to the, uh, the newspaper there? If you remember in the newspaper, it read uh, November 22nd, 1987, an act of piracy shook broadcasters. So we have this, this uh, Max Headroom. So... Is this Max Headroom who did this internet prank? Ah, uh, we see here it's his cousin, right? So uh, we've got, uh, I'm sorry, it's P-L-N-A-U-G-L-E. Already figured out it's his cousin. So yes, he uh, appears to be wearing a mask. So we have quite a bit of information here um, on Max Headcase. So, and we checked out his Twitter account. Do we have enough now to go ahead and contact uh, Athena of Zeus? At this time, we what, let's let's real quick. What do we know? We know that he's a leader. We know that uh, he's a cousin. He's uh, he's inspired by the classroom of 1950s. Good. What else do we know? <laughs> okay. He likes spanking. Yes, the the old days. All right, if you're on the Twitter screen, um, I can relaunch the, uh, the, the screen here. You shouldn't, yeah, let me uh, relaunch the, this so that you can see that site one more time um, so that we're all in the same place. There you go. That's, hopefully, we'll get you back to uh, Max's site. And uh, what else do we know here? He loves testing. Excellent. So uh, he likes his Scantron. So we have this good idea that he's wanting to standardize all of education. Um, do we have enough now? What was our what was our task? And this is where it's really important with with alternate reality gaming. Again, as it models life, um, oftentimes you know in school. Everything is, we get these sequential problems where, you know, everything is given to you. There's a, a rather precise, there's a single answer. There is no one, one answer to this. Uh, yes, what was our task? And again, that's very important. This is where you, you bring, up, bring back your emails and things like that. So um, our task here um, at the end, once we know that we have enough, and we're going to say at this point that we have enough, is uh, we need to email Athena dot daughter of Zeus at gmail.com. And who caused the fire? No. Uh, well, that was, uh, if you go back and take a look at uh, the original note 
that was sent out, um, which you can get off of um, the uh, Athena Azus website, uh, website, their blog, you would find that on that site uh, that it was the fires um, that uh, M4X had released uh, that would uh, um, melt away the creativity. So here we go. Let's go ahead and email Athena, daughter of Zeus. Now again, normally the teacher would play the agent on the other side. The teacher is Athena, daughter of Zeus at this time, and you would monitor that account. And uh, if in this case the students don't have the correct information there, then um, they need to, Athena of Zeus would go ahead and email back prompting them that, well, perhaps you know, you're close. I, I'm giving them a sense that we have it, that we still don't know, and then you would go ahead and, and bring some of that information out. The idea is that you you may not be right all the uh, all the time, and, and so the students you would email back. In this case, my agent is going to assume everybody got this correct. So if you email them, uh, Athena, daughter of Zeus, this is what you're going to receive. All right. So let me go ahead and read this to you. It says victory is ours with your help. I, along with my army of nine muses, have stopped the evil work of M4X and his cronies from air. Like his cousin, Max Headroom, Headcase's reign um, had a limited impact. In appreciation for your help with this crisis, I would like to live or give you a gift. However, we at CA still need to be careful about whom we give this information. Uh, therefore, I must ask you to send the Keeper of Secrets the names of the nine muses as established by the Renaissance. Why, you ask? Because this is artistic wisdom and knowledge that the members of AIR would never understand. You can send them to the Keeper of Secrets, and then there's a web address or an email address. If all checks out, you will receive direction to your portal and the key for your pot of gold. Thank you again for playing such an important role in our success. Signed, Athena, goddess of victory, wisdom, art, and battle. All right. So now, in this case, um, what do we need to do? What do we need to do at this time? Yes, we need to find out who the nine muses are. We can Google the nine muses, find their names. Excellent. Um, did anyone in taking a look at, oh, we're getting them now. Anyone, when taking a look at any of the websites that I supplied, find information about the nine muses as well? Hint, hint. Wins two internets. <laughs> excellent, excellent. The, the letter, um, not the letter, Let me, I'm going to send you back to a website and just have you look at this because uh, there are multiple ways that you can do this. And so as a designer of these types of games, you can go ahead and place uh, clues there. Again, these clues popped up at a time, if you click on the About tab on that window, You'll notice that it talks about Athenus and you know the god of, goddess of uh, victory, wisdom, art, and battle. And then there's a link there to the muses from Wikipedia. Yes, there you go, Jason. Excellent. So you can go ahead and and bury links in there. There are multiple ways to get there. The idea is that 
you want to have more than one path for students to get to a completion or for the players to get to the uh, completion of a game. Um, how they get there isn't as important as, as the, the process by which they've determined what these things are. So in this case, um, if they took the, if they were uh, observant enough to find the nine nooses, um, linked off of the Athena of Zeus WordPress site, then they would have uh, gotten there. Otherwise, I might have Googled it. So we now know enough. Who do we need to contact? We're going to email the Keeper of Secrets, and we're going to give them the list of names. So again, this is another place where the, the teacher or the, what we call the puppet master of the game is pulling the strings. Uh, if the nine mooses aren't correct, as established by the Renaissance, if you remember that was one of the criteria there, as established by the Renaissance, then the, um, the uh, Keeper of Secrets might push back. And again, keeping in the, in the character, pushing back, why, what's the role of the Keeper of Secrets? The Keeper of Secrets role is to make sure that Max or the M4X, that Air doesn't get this information. So they might write back in a rather suspicious way, are you sure that you're not Air? Uh, we're, we're not quite, you know, we're not you know, sure about the information you sent us. Something doesn't seem right. So you take on, again, as the teacher, you're taking on these character roles so the students are interacting with the characters as they go through the story. Yes, it is a lot like the D&D days. Um, okay, so as you email them, uh, here's the response from the Keeper of Secrets. Hopefully uh, everyone has tried that. If you haven't, here's what you're going to get. Uh, response from the Keeper of Secrets. There is a portal, and, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and launch that portal for you right now. So you can go check this out uh, as we go through it. Uh, that won't work. There we go. Um, so here's your portal. And in the portal, you need to enter a password. And the password there is CR34TIVITY, creativity. Go ahead and check that out. And what you're going to find is uh, you've just received, in fact, here, I'll, well, I actually want everyone to go ahead and, and launch that and take a look at, I think it's the one that says, read me first. And what you need to know about this is this is a drop site that I uh, am maintaining. And as I find more information, more resources, I go ahead and link them in here. Um, uh, <laughs> password, uh, please. Please type the password for the spelling challenge. Okay, here it is here. The password actually is, don't translate it, it is C-R-3-4-T-I-V-I-T-Y. So there you go. Um, if you open up that Read Me First document, that will explain what it is that you've just been given. You have in here the design documents for this game where you can actually play this game yourself uh, on your own. Um, there is a, uh, a link, the NAIS site. I actually have the front page, so you can go back and play this at your own pace. You can re-listen to this uh, recording and uh, help you guide, through it, guide you through it as well. Um, but it says, as a parting gift, 
You have received a copy of the design document for the game you just played, along with resources related to narrative-driven courses and alternate reality games. Now it is up to you. Enjoy this gift as you explore this creative learning environment and dream up a story of your own. Hey, you could even have your students create their story. The, uh, have fun with your alternate reality. Signed, Athena, Goddess of Victory, Wisdom, Art, and Battle. So there you have it. And uh, overwhelmed the server. Um, there you have it. You have this. Uh, um, oh, the, D the docs didn't come through. DOCX. Yeah, you got to love Microsoft for that one. Um, so uh, here you have a, a whole collection of uh, resources for you to explore. Uh, you'll also find in here, and I'll just point this out, and then I'm going to open the floor to questions. Um, you'll also find in here uh, a link to uh, XMind. XMind is a mind mapping tool. It's an open source mind mapping tool, uh, very powerful. And the reason why I've given you that link is in part, that's one way that you can plan these, uh, these games. Uh, is through these mind mapping tools. If free mind is also very good. Um, in fact, I may I don't know if I have the link to that in here as well. But the reason why XMind is in here is that I have also included a uh, XMind document which shows the um, the way that uh, this game is actually solved. So you can see the mapping of the game and the characters and the branches of the story. So there's some branches that that could have been explored that uh, were not actually explored. All right, so here we go. We have a hand raised by Texas uh, Titanium. Um, I'm going to let you guys explore these. We're going to go ahead and uh, explore those on your own. We're going to go ahead and take questions at this time. And I don't know how you want to handle this, Kim. Texas, you um, have the my capabilities now if you want to go ahead and ask your question. Yeah, this is Sean here, uh, Texas Titanium. Uh, how long did it take to put all this together, Chris? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, it does take, there's no lying about it, it does take a long time. Um, this is uh, something that I developed uh, probably, oh, I guess I could say in hours, probably about 25 to 30 hours to develop the whole thing from conception once I got past the writer's block concept uh, from conception beginning to end. But um, and that's because there's some sites that, that I created along the way, the videos I created, things like that. You can do this in, in uh, more or less time. You, you'll notice I, I recycle this now. I've used this now in multiple places. So the investment in time has paid off in that I can use this now in many different ways and teach many others. Um, the question here is, could students create ARGs, or is this too complicated? Uh, we are actually using um, at UNT, in fact, I'm teaching the class right now. This is one of uh, Dr. Warren's classes. It's actually a computer um, applications course. And you know what could be more boring and dull than teaching a computer applications course 100% at a distance? However, um, in this case, the uh, the game, the, the, the course is actually created as a game. And so the students, and this one, we've actually, we have a couple of versions. We have one called The Door, and we have one called Broken Window. And, uh, and uh, in, in this case, they interact with the characters in the stories. Um, and we, uh, and we're, we're using we're these using over and over, over as part of our research. research. 
So uh, there, there's there's a repository. I see a question here about repository. Um, yeah, there's an echo that was coming through just a moment ago. Uh, repositories. Uh, I don't know of any right now. Um, I, as these things begin to get built and, and take off, as certainly can be, you'll notice that in the culture of these games, um, you will find uh, that the, uh, these games uh, live on on the web. And so you, they can be replayed, and you can find these, and you can modify these games. All right. Uh, let me see. We've got another question here. Uh, looks like MRM is next. MRM, you can go ahead and ask your question. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Dino's Mr. M. Uh, my question was, did you set a minimum number of stages or steps for the students to follow? Or did you have that in mind, just sort of let them go to their, their end, I guess you could say? Because we went through about, what, seven or eight steps to get to the end of this game? Uh, yes. In this case, there are seven or eight steps there. And I, and I wanted to do it in such a way that I could do it in a one-hour workshop uh, done face-to-face. Uh, -face. Understand that generally these things aren't done that way. Uh, is a, I'm about to build one for an astronomy class that I'll be teaching at uh, Green Hill School, where I wear my other hat. And, uh, and that is a, a game that uh, for a, let's say, third trimester uh, senior class um, and so there, um, I don't know how many steps I'll have. I won't have the whole course run through the game, but I will have some games in there. And each game will probably have seven or eight steps that they're going to branches that they need to go through. Um, they'll play them collaboratively over time as we cover other material. And what will happen is I'll try and blend what happens online in the game scenarios with what is happening in class. So sometimes I may be bringing in letters uh, notes or an audio recording that, I, that it was emailed to me um, to help play that character from the actual classroom as well. Um, so you, you want to have uh, several steps or gates that they go through. Uh, we refer to these as kind of the gatekeeper. And it, it's to make sure that they have satisfied and they're learning along the way. The idea is that each one of these gates they should be, there should be a task for learn, uh, to measure learning. In this case, because of the nature of this game and the way uh, this game uh, was meant to be played, that is, as a workshop, I couldn't have that many in there, uh, checks. So I only had a few checks in there. All right. Uh, let's see. It looks like Mary, I believe you're going to be up next. Hi. Um, Maria, Maria, you want to go ahead and ask a question? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Maria. Excellent. Um, I have the same question uh, Kim had. Uh, do you have or do you know of anyone doing this specifically in mathematics? In mathematics? Um, no, no, I don't know anyone doing this specifically in mathematics. Uh, at the same time, though, I, I could see you know, huge potential for designing something like this. Um, one of the things I've thought about, and how, how do you roll this out and make this you know, so that it has a, a broader appeal? That is, to realize how much time you put into uh, this, uh, this information, in, into designing these things. How do you go ahead and, and do that? 
Well, they collaborate across perhaps other teachers and other schools so that there's a game that they might play across uh, distances with other populations and have multiple teachers designing maybe each teacher building the artifacts or linking to the artifacts of each section. So yes, you, in the mathematics you may have some problems that they need to solve where uh, through the solutions, these creative solutions that they come up with, that that leads them to you know, whatever their pot of gold is. Uh, but is an actual teacher using it? I don't know who, who the actual teachers are that might be using it in math. If anyone knows of any, uh, it'd be great to go ahead and post those. Looks like a live classroom. You've got the mic next, I believe. Oops, where'd you go? There we go. All right, are there more questions? Ah, here we go. Okay, Texas Titanium. Go for it. Hey, Chris. Sean here. I'm wondering if there's been any Sims connection or if there's been any discussion on that in any of the conferences. You're talking about it's it's in, like the like Sim Life, Sim Life. Sim those kind of things? Yes. Uh, I don't know of people who have made those connections. Um, we've got a couple minutes here real quick. The, most of this stuff exists as artifacts across the web and is played across the web. If someone else knows there's some connections with some of that, that would be great. We'll, we'll see if you know that. Um, yeah, Second Life, uh, I, I've got issues with Second Life as a learning environment. Uh, largely, I mean, there's a numerous, numerous areas. I think that the, the virtual worlds, the 3D worlds have huge potential in the future, but we're not there yet. Uh, CPU-wise, uh, many, many people are not able to actually uh, play those games, or and they're not even a game. You have to develop in those spaces. Um, the, uh, I, I know that we actually use Second Life as part of the, uh, the, the games that we play, the, the classes that we teach up at UNT, but every time we take, uh, have a Second Life requirement in there, we always have a parallel path that students can take so that they can get there in other ways because we find that the learning curve on Second Life really isn't uh, worth uh, the, the learning that they'll get out of it uh, in the end. Uh, for what we're using it for. So that's, that's part of what we're working with. You kind of have to balance the uh, learning curve of the, of the technology with that which you're trying to learn. And so by you know, using blogs and wikis and podcasts that are out there, creating simple movies, putting them on YouTube, and then taking stuff that's real, stuff that already exists, and, and weaving that into your story, uh, that seems to be much more powerful because this is really about the story and not as much about the technology. If you can use the story and the narrative to hook the kids, and then um, the technology is easy enough for them to navigate, uh, then the technology could become somewhat transparent at that point. Oh, uh, yes, definitely uh, creative events or current events as well. All right, looks like Mr. M, you're up next. Um, I was just wondering, you said this is a collaborative activity with ARGs. Um, now, would this be a whole class activity, or can you split up into smaller groups and have them compete to see who would win, or is it just a whole class collaboration versus smaller groups? 
we do this as uh, in small groups. Uh, generally, I'm looking at uh, groups of three or four. I prefer the groups of three. And then uh, within those groups of three, we assign uh, them uh, roles. And then they uh, trade those roles off throughout. At the end of each round, if you will, each gateway, they, uh, each task, there might be multiple tasks throughout a course, uh, they trade roles. And they submit these what we call role reports, which is a way of uh, creating accountability within the group. So uh, that works very well uh, to do it that way. I would not do it with a whole class necessarily um, uh, playing as one large group. Uh, that, that we'd find that that would probably be fairly ineffective. Uh, let's see, Allison. Go ahead, you've got the mic. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, Allison. Go ahead, Allison. Yes, the difference from the ARGs and the MMORPG games. Uh, okay, the massively multiplayer role-playing games. Uh, those are the, the difference between these. Um, the, MM, the, the, the massively multiplayer online role-playing games are uh, those are things like uh, World of Warcraft would be one. Uh, Age of Empires is another, and these are uh, games that um, are commercial games uh, played with uh, very expensive high-end uh, graphics. Uh, uh, that are you know you, usually you purchase these things and uh, and they're played across the internet um, they're more visual and the 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 idea of the alternate reality is I mean there 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 can be alternate reality within those environments but uh, they are um, they are environments that are uh, uh, very demanding on the technology and extremely expensive to develop and what you have to remember is that the game environment the gaming community uh, is a is a uh, um, oh what do I say is is a is a developers is actually a much uh, they 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 bring in more money more revenue than the movie industry so the game industry is actually a much more lucrative industry now than even the the movie industry out of Hollywood so it gives you an idea and those the types of games that that are making that kind of money are these uh, massively multiplayer online role-playing games, as well as some others that are played locally on your Wiis and your um, other, other devices. OK, we're out of time. I can keep going here, though. But Randall, since you've got a question here, I'm going to pass the mic over to you. Whoops, there you go. Randall, are you there? Go ahead and click the, uh, the little mic down in your lower left. Hello, can corner. you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, first of all, thanks a lot for a great presentation, Chris. Um, I have two questions for you. First is, how can you ensure that students are collaborating instead of just solving the ARGs by themselves? And second, uh, do you know any other educators that are designing educational ARGs that have Twitter accounts or websites or, or somewhere that we can follow? Okay, well, the first question, um, the, uh, the the collaboration piece. Uh, when we do this up at UNT, uh, there are multiple um, multiple uh, steps that people are going through. So we'll have a, a, some large artifacts they're having to create along the way, and they are basically keeping a record of what it is that they've done in, in, in those uh, in those artifacts. So uh, by taking the tasks. Um, no one person actually can do all the work. 
And if they do, uh, it becomes, it, I don't know how to really explain it, but it, it really becomes obvious. Um, in part, the, the, the group um, or the individual who is doing the bulk of the work uh, does not put up with it for very long because it, it, it ends up being uh, that um, they, they don't like being the one who has to do all the work. Um, utilizing uh, tools like wikis, uh, you can actually track who's making the changes using uh, Google Docs. You can look at revisions and changes. You can have them submit uh, a record of these changes. Uh, it just depends on the level. Now, I noticed that uh, there was a question earlier about age level. Um, you know, that there's a, if you look at this from the, you know, the commercial side, 39 clues um, is, a, is a series, a whole series that is alternate reality that is, uh, it's, it's commercial. These are books that you can buy that have an internet component as well. And, uh, and so the 39 Clues series, that's something that uh, it's, it's really for the younger kids. Um, I don't know, I'd, I'd say that could probably be pushed down into this uh, probably sixth and seventh grade um, at that point. Uh, it's, you can make these things extremely simple if you wanted with only a couple of hoops for even younger kids. But the idea is, it's really, I'd say it's really more for maybe from sixth and seventh grade and, and move it up from there. Pushing down from there, um, I haven't tried it down there. I've, I've played some role play pieces with, uh, with certainly with the, the, the sixth graders and the fifth graders. Um, we do a stock market thing that is uh, at Green Hill that is in the fourth grade. And you know that, quite frankly, that has enough elements in it, it could easily become an alternate reality game. We just don't use it that way. So uh, that's certainly something too. In terms of Twitter accounts, uh, I think your question there is, do, you, do I know of educators that you might follow uh, who are doing some, some work in this area or, or just worth following? I'm not quite sure what your question was there. Yeah, basically, I know a lot of people are making ARGs, but mostly for like commercial ARGs. Um, are there any educators that are making specifically classroom ARGs like you are uh, that, uh, that, that you know of? Because you're the only one that I've found so far. I, I have not run it. You're right. And if you look at the list of uh, people at the beginning here, how many have actually tried to create one for their, um, for their class, uh, there were only just a handful there. So uh, I, the list is very small. And we do need to maybe start growing a community where we can begin to collaborate and, and connect together that way too. I don't know of any at this point. Um, I do see that uh, they want to wrap up the show. I am willing to stay beyond the show, so I'm going to let them wrap up the show, and I'll just stay here online and continue to take questions once the show is wrapped up. Great. Um, thank you so much, Chris. And if you need to leave, uh, we certainly understand everybody. Um, but if you want to stay, Chris will be here um, as we wrap up in just a few minutes. Uh, we will not have a show next Saturday. Uh, the 5th of September due to the Labor Day holiday weekend. But we will be back on on September 12th with Steve Dembo who is going to be talking about Web 2.0 tools and be using Prezi to demonstrate the Web 2.0 tools. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Um, this Wednesday, September 2nd, Sue Waters is going to be having part two of the RSS feed tagging and feed readers session. So please join us at 8 p.m. Eastern or 10 a.m. the Australian Eastern time on Thursday um, 
either wherever you are in the world, uh, this is going to be a great session that you're going to want to uh, join us. Okay, and just one second. Are you seeing the slides now? Okay, not sure what's been going on today. Crazy morning. So let's continue with the um, the uh, interview series that Steve is going to be having starting um, on Tuesday, September the 1st at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, Steve will be interviewing, um, having the PBS series, POV, the principal story, in conjunction with uh, PBS. He'll be having the PBS producers and the educators and um, talking about that video, the principal story. And so that will be a great uh, session um, as they talk about that video. On Thursday, September the 3rd, Manny Hernandez um, will be on with Steve, who wrote Ning for Dummies, and he'll be talking about Ning and uh, social networking. Tuesday, September 8th, Steve will be interviewing Cheryl Nussbaum Beach as she talks about educational social networking, and that will be at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern. Jane Nelson will be um, on, who wrote um, Positive Discipline. She'll be talking about Parenting 2.0 and Parenting in the Age of the Internet and Social Media, and that will be on Wednesday, September 9th at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern. And again, um, our link to the survey. We greatly appreciate your feedback. And the link, the survey will pop up as soon as the session, you close out the session. So um, please give us feedback and information back to eliminate and notate somewhere in the feedback that it is for the Classroom 2.0 Live series. And we greatly appreciate your time. And we'll put in the um, the GLAM link and look for the recording posted to our live site that Peggy just put in the chat. And we want to thank Chris today for joining us and Steve Hargadon, who is the founder of Classroom 2.0 and several different networking communities. Thank you to everybody who joined our show and to Illuminate for providing the forum. And I'm going to go ahead and get the GLAM link, and I'm going to pass it back to Chris, who will continue taking questions. So thanks, Chris. Back to you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'll stay here and ask questions here for a while. So it uh, looks like I've got some hands up. Uh, real quick before I answer through the, the mic here, I noticed that there were some questions, uh, again, about the age. Uh, there were some things here about the, uh, the XO, um, the sweet XO grandma. Uh, it, since these things are played across the Internet, uh, utilizing standard Web 2.0 tools, 
the idea is that they're not going to be hardware intensive. Um, and that's that's the key. And since there's a, a, a big movement right now to move to these netbooks, such as the XO, if you're not familiar with that, that's the one laptop per child, uh, XO machines, uh, the netbooks, uh, the small uh, minimal hardware machines that have some pretty interesting uh, devices built into them that can be leveraged and built into the games, the, the, the cameras and the mics that are built into them. These are things that uh, would be um, would be uh, powerful to to leverage. So, in fact, this, uh, one of the things I've been playing with is actually developing an alternate reality game specifically for the XO, uh, because these games, uh, those machines, end up in other countries, and so these games can be translated to other languages, and uh, and actually uh, the the bulk of the game could be sent on just a little memory stick with the idea being that uh, since the, those particular machines, the XOs, create their own network, that perhaps we can even have them share resources if in places where they don't even have the internet, they can share resources. So um, it's all about really keeping it simple in the sense of the technology. You don't need to have any programming experience to do this. Uh, you, know, you notice that I use WordPress. There are, there's numerous blogging sites out there, wiki sites, web hosting sites that are free or inexpensive. And, uh, and they're all form-based. So um, you know, if you have the programming experience or the multimedia experience, great. But you don't need it to pull these games together. Um, any suggestions for ARGs that can be used with chemistry and physics? Um, well, you can imagine uh, Einstein coming back, and uh, you can imagine having a Q&A session with Einstein um, uh, would be r rather interesting as well. Uh, POG, that's the pot of gold. Um, uh, just my, my short abbreviation there for pot of gold, POG. Um, Okay, so let me take some questions here. It looks like, Randall, you still got your hand up, and you've got the mic. Go ahead and... Uh, Click the the button. Go. Okay. Okay. Um, I just want to. I don't want to hog the mic. I want to let Maria and whoever else ask questions. But um, I was wondering, have you read um, Adam Bracken's uh, dissertation from the University of uh, where is it, University of Texas? He wrote a uh, he wrote an actual ARG and then wrote a dissertation about it uh, called Deuce City. Um, and he has some very good um, educational elements in there that uh, can be applied to these educational ARGs. So I just wanted to bring up that comment. No, I haven't, uh, and would love to read it. If you can go ahead and type his name into the uh, into the chat box here, we'll capture that, and uh, I'd like to to take a look at that later. I'll request a copy of it, so that would be wonderful. Um, let's see, uh, who else has a question out there? Um, Chris, somebody asked earlier if any of these systems um, are blocked, or any are any of these blocked by school systems, and since they are web based. I would think most of them usually aren't, and then there's not usually a problem with the filters. Would well, that be that's, correct? Well, it, it, every school differs. Um, I mean, and, and I'll just I'll just toss this out there because I go around and I speak to schools all over the country, um, and I've I've seen the whole gamut. Um, I have come across schools that block a lot of schools that block YouTube. Uh, so if you're using YouTube as a site uh, to host some of your your webs. Uh, you know, some of your videos, uh, then that is something that um, could be problematic um, if uh, if the schools are blocking it. Uh, they might let it through on TeacherTube, although I found TeacherTube to be a lesser version of YouTube. 
Uh, unfortunately, teacher tube and school tube aren't as uh, robust uh, back end, and so they tend to have some problems. Uh, but you may find that those sites get through. Uh, you, all filtering uh, tools should be able to be adjusted for the, uh, to actually let specific content through. So if you've written a game, you should be able to let that specific content through, uh, just contacting your administrator. Again, though, it comes back to policy. Um, it, it, it just depends on, on the policy of the school and the administrator. Um, I've seen schools that block uh, Google, believe it or not. Uh, they will not let Google come through. So um, it, it's, it's, it really is going to be a, a particular you know, site by site uh, problem that has to be addressed. Okay, let's see. Maria, I believe you're next. Uh, can you start some sort of a community for us, uh, specifically for, for learning applications, so we can all sign up uh, and communicate and uh, share and all the good stuff? Are, are you referring to a community for uh, the ARG development and, uh, yeah. and implementation? That, that actually would be a really good idea. I could probably do something through Ning on that pretty simply. Um, since uh, most schools do let Ning through, um, than most that I know, although I know some that block it still, but uh, that would uh, that would be very good. There actually is one. Uh, it's it, there's a group that started. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, ISTE, uh, uh, International Society for Technology and Education, but uh, they put on the conference called NECC. Uh, National Educational Computing Conference, and within that are special interest groups. And there's a special interest group there on games and simulations. Within that special interest group is a group that is ARG uh, related. Well, but, um, the thing of it is, ISTE only does what a LinkedIn group. Of, I mean, do they even have another social site? Like, where where do you say if? Um, if you, if I make a mathematical one, uh, when, where do I tell whom? Or if, uh, if uh, Peggy makes a science one, how, how do we communicate? Yeah, that, that's actually, um, I, I would, I, maybe I'll just do a, I'll go ahead and do that. I will set up a Ning site that's specific to uh, alternate educational alternate reality gaming, and uh, I. I mean, I can go ahead and post that information on my on my blog, and I imagine uh, perhaps uh, Classroom 2.0 uh, might be able to get that out. To certainly, send it out through Twitter. Um, if you want to send me an email, um, I would be more than happy to. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't want to ask for everyone's emails, but uh, if you want to send that to me, shoot me an email. Um, let me just put my email address here, so you have that. I'll give you two of them. Uh, what is this? Gmail.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, that's that is me on Twitter. And um, so uh, um, I can I can get information to you that way. But I, I do love the idea of setting up a, a group out there. Um, this is something that's it's really it's quite new. 
it's the the actual ARGs as a concept aren't. I mean, they're fairly new as well, I guess, uh, in, on, in terms of internet. But so is really the internet if you get right down to it. Look at the history of the internet. Uh, really, the first game that was really of any note was uh, came out of the movie AI, artificial intelligence, and it was part of a promotional piece for that. So. Um, uh, it's been used in commercial uh, endeavors. Uh, it's been used rather effectively and powerfully, and these communities still exist and communicate and play these games online on a global uh, basis. And it's, why shouldn't we also be doing this uh, with uh, uh, with education? So let's see. Uh, I've got some other quit uh, <laughs> Twitters out there. Do I have some other questions out there? If you'd like to ask your question using the microphone, just raise your hand. Live. Okay. Randall. Hey, Randall. Yeah, I'll ask another question since uh, quiet. Um, actually, I have two more questions. Uh, first is um, the uh, state standards. Um, I know you have like some assessment built in, like emailing to a certain address. Um, are there other ways to assess that you're achieving, that you're hitting the state standards in the activities? Um, I'll just ask that one first. Oh yes, yes, definitely. Remember that this particular game is developed specifically to teach about the concept of teaching with alternate reality games. So um, these things might be played over. You know, you might. In a traditional class situation where you're not 100% online, you may be playing this, uh, playing a game over a couple of months as you're doing some things in the classroom as well, and they inform each other. So you may have what I call artifacts of learning. The, their artifact of learning in the end may be that they will have produced a, a multimedia presentation. Uh, they will have had some design documents they had to create along the way. Just to give you an idea how we do this uh, up at UNT. Um, they, we've got the, if in the door scenario, this is again, this is something that uh, Dr. Uh, Warren uh, developed up at the University of North Texas. Uh, we would have a, uh, a scenario where this first one, there were some Greek gods that were uh, upset that nobody was paying them any attention any longer. And so uh, they went and they came from their world into cyberspace and took some special device back with them that the rest of the world needed. And out of this came this chaos when there are there these characters with these problems uh, with each other. And the, the students have to uh, interact with these characters and come up with solutions to these problems. So, you know, then this particular course is a, a uh, that particular course is a um, computer uh, education course, uh, computer literacy. So they're having to create documents, Word documents in specific formats, or create a PowerPoint presentation, or a website that illustrates, you know, a website for a company, um, things like that. But all the, the the task is all wrapped around the story, and uh, uh, so that's that's uh, um, that is uh, you know uh, certainly a, a possibility. Uh, but yes, you, you do want to realize that the game that we just played was meant to be played in one hour, um, where you kind of rush everybody through it. I, I, there's a lot of scaffolding that went on here that normally is is uh, you you have have less of that uh, actual scaffolding in there. Um, as the game goes on uh, when you play these things over a couple of months. So if you think about it that way, you start the game and it's very complex or very uh, easy in the beginning because you're giving a lot of clues and you back off on the clues. But at the same time, the learning tasks 
that they uh, are producing, the, the learning artifacts are uh, more complex as they go. So you, you, you scaffold that. Let's see. Uh, I think Live 2.0, you had a question in there. Um, actually, Randall had another question. But let me go and, and, and get uh, Live 2.0, and then we'll come back. So go ahead, uh, Live 2.0. You've got it. I think you said you didn't have a mic. So how much are students willing to play along? I mean, do they really make it real? Actually, you would be surprised. Um, how much they're willing to play along. It does depend on the student. Um, quite frankly, it's, it's the same problem you have in a traditional class, is how much do the students really want to do the work that they have. Um, I have found that uh, the, the stories that I've, we actually had uh, in this last time that I taught the Broken Window course, um, I had a group of students who were so engaged in this um, it was just, I was blown away with how much they got into it and really played the characters and actually started to write in the voice of characters. At the same time, I had, you know, you would still have people who, who didn't want to play along, much as, this, much as you would have people who wouldn't want to do the, the you know, the, the, uh, the assignments that were just, you know, step-by-step -step instructions and how it gets done. So uh, you, you're going to have that in any class. And uh, yes, actually, in the attitude of the teacher, and you make a really good point, uh, Jackie, because we have multiple teachers who have taught these courses. And I can tell you this, that um, if the teacher gets excited and involved and engaged in it, the students do as well. Um, I have been, I've gotten more out of teaching in this methodology than I have in, in, in engaged in this, with the students in ways that I've never reached in, in terms of face-to-face. -face. Yet I've had really intense engagements face-to-face -face as well. It's just a different type of engagement that's happening. But at the same time, we've had teachers teach these courses um, where they, um, when they were done, they said, oh, man, I never want to teach one of these things again. Um, the, the teacher didn't like the format either. So you, you do have to have buy-in from, uh, from the teacher to make these things work. If the teacher is not willing to take on and play the roles of the characters, and in the game parlance, we say, being the puppet master, the game's not going to work. Let's see. Uh, other questions out there? Any other questions? Randall, did you have another question, Randall? Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Chris, you just mentioned that uh, you designed this one for to take uh, about an hour's time for so a typical classroom. Uh, it would seem like these would take, if you want to do a little more elaborate one, they, they take a, a, at least a week or so to, to accomplish, especially if you're doing it collaboratively. Um, and oftentimes at classes, they don't have that kind of time. So have you, have you taken that into consideration? Like, uh, I'm, just, I'm trying to design a social studies one, and the only time it seems like they have a week to spare is at the end of the year after they finish testing. A great question. And um, in a traditional classroom setting, uh, the game, I would recommend that the game would be played in parallel to things that you are doing in the class. So in other words, um, you take, in a, tr a typical blended format, you take the best of what could go online and put that online, and the best of classroom experience and keep that in the class. Uh, and we've got some pretty solid research that backs up the effectiveness of that approach. 
Now then if you take that best of online and push that into a game scenario, you can, you know, instead of taking a week, you can design it so that it's a spiraling type event where the game might be played over a month with each spiral or turn being about a week uh, in, in place, and so, or two weeks in place. You might find that two weeks to complete one piece. So you kind of have to gauge this with your students and the the um, the way the students are working. But the the idea is that you take some of that homework that you do, and you you get that into this other environment, and you create tasks where these things are a, a bit more real world and, and uh, a broader. I mean, this is this is really what it is. It's, it's problem based learning, uh, just done in a very creative way. Um, and so uh, you can run these things in parallel, um, and uh, that is that I think is probably the best way to do it. You would not want to stop the you know in a in a uh, traditional classroom. You would not want to stop the classroom teaching just to play the game for a week. Um, that would not be the the way to do this. Uh, so certainly teach it in parallel. Um, let's see. I think you had a second question there as well. I see some things here. Problem based learning. Um, do you mention, term. Go ahead. Do you mention that? Do you call it a game, or do you just say it's an activity, or? Well, and that's that is uh, we've we've actually played with that a bit up at UNT um, when we first started playing around with it, when I first started teaching this. The first one that I played, the students uh, did not know that they were in a game until they realized they were in it. When the students sign out, that's at a university level, and in fact, when the students sign up for the course. Um, they don't know that they're signing up because we have different versions. They don't know that they've signed up for one that is a uh, in a game format. Um, so part of it, it, of what we're doing there, is research based. So we're actually going back and looking at this from a research perspective as well. Um, that being said, pushing this down into the secondary uh, schools, um, secondary classrooms. Uh, for example, the one that I'm developing for the uh, for my uh, seniors uh, who are going to be taking the uh, astronomy class, um, that will, again, this is, depends on the students and the, the culture of your school. I'm going to let them know up front that we're going to be playing a game. We're going to be doing some things different. So that they don't look at me, because it's a traditional sense class, look at me and say, oh my gosh, what in the world just happened to Mr. B? Um, you know, he's, he's now talking like Darth Vader or you know, Spock or someone from 2001 Space Odyssey. Um, but the, the idea is that uh, you're, I can, you kind of have to adjust it. There, is no, there are no hard and fast rules to this. And that's, that's really, I think, one of the secrets to it is that uh, you've got to be able to adjust this for your environment. Um, Certainly, uh, we've played with it both sides, and um, uh, right now, for example, the students in the class that I'm teaching now, uh, they up at UNT, they will they actually know that they're entering a game at this point. Uh, they, the course just opened up, and they're reading about ARGs right now, but they have no idea what they're what's about to unfold with them. They have some strange website that they're looking at, and and the emails that will come in will be evident that they don't know what's going on. But as they get into the groups and begin to chew on it, it reveals itself. And uh, so we've actually uh, taken an approach where it's a little bit more, uh, we've given a little more guidance on that level. But the younger kids, I, I'd probably say you'd probably want to let them know that they're about to play a game. All right. Um, any other questions there? Jason, do you want to start? 
see, Chris, do you want to start out the class by telling students they're playing a game or dive right in? Okay, that was an earlier question there. Any other questions? I'm looking back through the text right now. Yeah, Puppet Master, a new term for you. The Puppet Master is any? the one who's pulling the strings, if you will, on the game. In other words, you're the one who is controlling gameplay, the rate at which the students will proceed through the, uh, through the course, um, the rate, uh, making sure that uh, the, the material that they're submitting uh, is, is, uh, is quality material. Um, you want them to be able to make meaning. So try to build your questions. And this comes back to you know, backwards design, understanding by design, if you're looking at it from a structural design perspective. But the idea is to, is to build these big questions, these deep questions, problems that, that maybe don't have one single solution, and that allow for creative solutions. And then uh, the puppet master is the one who is going to be making sure that the students, and you might have to, you're the one who's providing the scaffolding too. If the uh, students aren't getting it, you might add some additional clues through email or through Twitter. We use uh, Twitter uh, in this last round, and we'll be using it this round as well. I'm going to use it with my, um, my astronomy course. I'll be using Twitter. And I'll, periodically, I'll, at some point, one of the characters will be revealed that they have a Twitter account, and there will be clues that will be handed out through Twitter. So, um, and I can use that to scaffold. So as I monitor the gameplay, if they're not going the direction I need them to go, I can add additional clues then on the fly as the puppet master to bring them there to where I need them to be. Other questions? Well, hearing the silence, I, it sounds like uh, Does anybody more have questions. Any questions? If anybody has a question uh, before we let Chris go, uh, please let us know. You can ask your question using the mic or type your question. If not, then we hope that you have a great weekend. Enjoy Labor Day holiday. And be sure to join us on September 12th with Steve Dimbo. Thank you so much, Chris, and thanks, everybody. Well, thank you, everyone, and uh, enjoy making your games. <laughs> I will, Jackie. Thanks. <laughs>